everybody, to another episode of our Isaiah Lenten podcast. Uh, today we've got a, a full crew. Once again, I'm Brian Belter, my co-host as usual. Pastor Gimble. And today, featuring two special guests. Pastor Meyer. Shauna Zioko. Thanks guys for being here. This should be uh, an interesting one. We've already been sitting here in the cockatrice den, nerding out over <laughs> a lot of different things. Since we all are of a similar age group, we're similarly nerdy, so... This might get derailed a little bit, but please stick with us. Um, we will actually make some biblical points and things for y'all. Today we are in Isaiah chapter 11, and we're going to be going through verse, verses 1 through... We're going to go all the way to 10 or 11? Mm. Let's do 10. Yeah, all okay. right. Isaiah 11 verses 1 through 10, and today, special treat, Ms. Shauna Zioko is going to be reading for us. All right, and I'm going to read out of the uh, English Standard Version if you're following along. There will, shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, a branch from his root shall bear fruit, and the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide disputes by what his ears hear. But with righteousness he shall judge the poor, and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his waist, and faithfulness the belt of his loins. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat, and the calf and the lion and the fed calf together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together, the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra, and the weaned child shall put his hand in the adder's den. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In that day the root of Jesse, who shall stand as a signal for the peoples, of him shall the nations inquire, and his resting place shall be glorious. Thanks, Sean. So this is the cockatrice's den. This is the, the <laughs> verse when, when read in the King James, which we do, uh, well, which I do every year at the uh, Lessons and Carols service that we have. I get to say cockatrice instead of cobra, <laughs> which is a little more fun, but a little less understandable for, for folks. Yeah. Pastor Meyer was telling me that he actually looked up what a cockatrice is. So I, I got, I got so curious about this thing. Because, well, one, it's just a funny word, right? A cockatrice. So evidently a cockatrice is like a snake that has two legs, wings, and the head of a rooster. Hence the cockatrice, right? So mm -hmm. it's like... But it was actually like a thing in medieval Europe. And it was actually like a sigil for, for houses. And I, mean, I couldn't believe this thing. It's, hmm. I guess I guess it's like you know it's El Chupacabra. Yeah, it, <laughs> a made-up mystical kind of general term for a, a, a wicked, evil kind of little being thing. Is right. What I, what I gather right. from it. Unless you play video games, then they pop up all the time. In my case, oh, I knew what wow. a cockatrice was. Well, I didn't. It sounds to me like this little lizard with wings, like. Mushu from Mulan or something like that. <laughs> but I think that's actually like a pretty accurate like artist rendering. That, that, that's like, probably a lot like, closer. I mean, that's what I Put was a little bit more feather up on the front, right? Like Falcor, yeah. Falcor the Luck Dragon, right? Yeah. From oh, the Never Ending Story. story. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's a little bit closer than the image that comes to my head. Final Fantasy Twelve, where it's this giant spherical ball of feathers. 
and it, it, it it's it's so adorable and it just goes Wang! and it's great. Which it's kind of reminiscent to the giant spherical ball of feathers that sometimes is used to show a cherubim, you know. Well, so I mean, the, the, it gets us. It actually gets us back into Isaiah, right? Yeah. Because we're using we're using imagery that's like out there, right? Because we're talking about the the branch from from the root, like what on the stump? Branches, roots, and stumps. Nature. All right. Somebody make sense of this for me, because I'm I'm not. I don't know. Am I lost? Yeah, hey, I've had this happen. Right. It, yeah. So we've got like a line of trees between our house and our neighbor's house, and. Sometimes we chop them all the way down to the roots, and every now and then I think, oh, I've got that sucker, and then all of a sudden you see this little tiny root growing back up, even though the, the stump is several inches around. And I'm thinking, like, I thought I chopped that puppy down, but here, here it comes again. <laughs> Those roots are deep, man. Those roots are deep. Yeah, they are. So how does that actually apply to the real world of what's going on? Well, I think part of it is when you're thinking about even though this was written before the exile that the line of David which Jesse is the father of David that's what they're talking about here is the father of King David the line of David is considered pretty much done because Israel's been conquered Judah has been conquered it's over how is anything going to come from this you know Israel as a people are considered pretty much conquered but something is going to come from it. Something great is going to come from it, and that happens to be our Lord. A new shoot, out of like like Pastor Gibble was illustrating with, you know, you sometimes you cut that tree all the way down and all you have is a dead-looking stump, but then one spring day a, a new shoot grows forth from that, and you're going to have a brand-new tree and a new life yeah, come I, from that. I preached on this one time and kind of used the movie Wally to illustrate this. So I thought Wally was like a world that's you know literally surrounded with trash, and they had this one hope in that raggedy old boot that had dirt in it, but it had this one sign of life that says that okay, life is possible, and we can literally begin again and move back to our former home and and start beginning to plant roots and settle down again. So I've I've always thought of that that movie when I'm reading and thinking about this passage a little bit. I've only seen that one time. Is that, like, the earth is, like, dead, right? Yeah. People consider the earth to be a dead planet. Right. Nothing well, can grow or survive on the, on the planet yeah, anymore. Yeah, it's so covered with junk and debris and dirt and everything. But there's a little plant growing inside of a boot, right? Is that yeah. the, that's and, the... Right. And yeah. the remains of the human race are on the ship, and they're going in the other direction, and they're supposed to keep going until something plant grows on earth. Okay. In which case, they'll repopulate the earth and continue to live there again. Yeah, a lot of a lot of interesting social commentaries in that movie as oh, well yeah. for a Disney movie. But yeah, it's all about the hope. You know, and they have this little machine that goes and scans the boot and detects life and it's like carrying out the mission. The next there, sequence yeah. to go, yeah, finish the mission. Yeah. So it's kind of a it's really a neat imagery here. I never made that connection. So um, I really like the other imagery that we talked about too. You know, we talked about cockatrices, the, the whole point of that discussion was just to say that the cockatrice is not a, not a friendly place, but eventually there will come a day where uh, I guess the playing field will be leveled and you get this picture of peace and harmony. So you take this you know, mythical, dangerous creature that nobody wants to encounter and you're able to have a child interact with it and, and play with it, which is just a remarkable 
remarkable thing to get to that point. It's I mean, reiterated it's a, a bunch of times in that imagery right. too, you know, with predators and prey together. Uh, the predators will eat the grass Strong. of the field like like a, an herbivore, like a, like a their typical prey. You've got the child playing in the cockatrice den or the cobra's den, as we read here, putting its hand over the hole of the adder. Dangerous situations that won't matter anymore uh, because there will be peace and harmony in all creation, which is pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, um, adders were actually, you know, two of the animals that Noah brought in the ark with him. And uh, once they got off the ark, you know, God gave the command to all the animals and said, uh, be fruitful and multiply. The adders said, hey, we can't do that. We're adders. Oh, no. Oh. Oh. <sighs> that was like the biggest collective eye roll I've ever been I was waiting of. for something amazing to come from your lips. It was right. amazing. I was, I, was like, I, was like, I don't remember that. I, I was I'm waiting. Jesus yeah. guy. I don't remember that. Like, I was waiting for oh. some deep theological, you know, thing about adders or... Uh, Thank you. Yeah, now here we are. That's, right. the, that's the second lamest Bible joke I've heard from you. The first one was what? when we were going to study the shortest prophet, Nehemiah. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, yeah. From your point of view, from our point of view. Yeah, that's a good one. i got all sorts of boring jokes. I'll save them for later as they apply. But oh, hey, this gravy. one is in the text right here. The adders. <laughs> yeah, it, it's in the text, all right. Oh, okay. So I do also like how this passage points to one of the major themes in Isaiah that we've talked about several times already, justice and righteousness. Righteousness is mentioned many times, and then justice not specifically, but we get the word equity, which is very similar to justice, that in the fulfillment of this prophecy, justice and righteousness are going to be at the forefront once again. Absolutely. I'm glad you picked up on that too. I had a heightened awareness for that as I was reading this again. I thought, oh yeah, here are these two terms popping up again. And just to see what that looks like, I, I, that's, that's kind of the, the other thing that this context of this study has put into my mind is that, you know, this, this is kind of the ideal. So what, are, what should it look like when you have justice and righteousness in place? You just have this massive equality for everybody, even creation itself almost is cared for in the same way. Yeah, I really like uh, verses 2 through 5 because it's giving a really direct description of what Jesus is going to be like, what the Savior is going to be like when he comes. And you're reading it, and it's, it doesn't sound like, you know, all hail the conquering hero coming in on his white steed. This is very much the Jesus of the New Testament that you get, this spirit of wisdom and understanding and counsel and knowledge and this idea of he shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide dispute by what his ears hear. It's like you see the people coming to him and asking for advice throughout the New Testament, throughout his ministry, and he, him showing this great wisdom. And, and where he's not, you know, judging the rich man who's like, how shall I inherit the kingdom of God? You know, he's like, well, this is what you do. You give what you have. And then you follow the commandments, you know, this sort of very level-headed, wise guy that Jesus is. This isn't a guy who's going to... Call our Lord a wise guy? Yes, I did well, call our Lord a wise guy. A wise guy, not a wise guy. Okay. <laughs> well, I think verse 3 especially is something very interesting to pick up on, right? That he doesn't judge with his eyes or he doesn't, you know, use his ears in what he hears. Right. And I think this is so interesting to bring this up, um, especially in the context we're talking about the stump of Jesse, right? 
And, and that's where we get the teaching on this one. If you go all the way back to 1 Samuel, as Samuel's going through the sons of Jesse, what, is, what does God tell Samuel, right? Man sees what's on the outside, but God looks at the heart. And so in this context where we're talking about Jesse uh, and, and the root that will, or the shoot that will come up from Jesse, <clears throat> he's acting in the way God acted when he picked David as king. He didn't look at the exterior. He didn't, didn't care about what your eyes saw or what your ears heard. He wanted somebody whose delight was in the fear of the Lord, right? And I think that is just an awesome thought to bring into this as you talk about Jesus being the one who comes from this, yeah. right? So many times God chooses the person that we least expect in like everything. <laughs> like Pastor Gibble, yeah, sure. Since you brought it up. <laughs> you were looking right at me, Brian. <laughs> But, I mean, when you think about the sort of people that are chosen throughout Scripture, I mean, when you look at, you know, the judges, who oftentimes the judges were who man chose, yet at the same time God worked through them. And when you look at David, who was the youngest, smallest son, you know, when you look at Christ, he's not who you're expecting. When you're looking at the disciples, these fishermen and tax collectors, a lot of times God chooses what's on the inside, what's in one's heart, what isn't as beautiful to the world sort of thing. And I think that that kind of highlights it, that there's this this better characteristic over what we may jump to as man. We may choose this person because, oh yeah, th this person looks really great on paper, and God's like, uh oh. That's 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 not what's going on inside their hearts. I'm very I'm personally very thankful that that's the uh, the <laughs> attitude that the Lord takes because I mean come on, externally, I'd be in a lot of trouble. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> so I think it's safe to say we all would. Yes. Yeah. Let's say on paper I'm probably not the first person you'd expect. <laughs> yeah. See that discussion reminds me how you know, the the phrase "Can anything good come from Nazareth?" Right yeah, when right. people looked at Jesus, it's a slam like, right there. Yeah. Nazareth, and actually these verses come to fulfillment. I believe it's in Nazareth where Jesus yeah. goes and and unrolls the the scroll mm -hmm. in the yeah. temple, and he reads yeah. these verses: "The spirit of the Lord shall come upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might." And then he nice. preaches the shortest sermon ever. This, this scripture, your, your, yeah, this scripture is fulfilled right here, and then he sits down. And so they that's took like up the, stones to stone him. I know, that's and a, everybody's like, like is it, "Isn't this him, the right? brother of so and so, and the son of so and so? What is he doing?" <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Jesus directly says, "I'm the fulfillment of this." So I think you know more clearly than any other passages where some of the other authors do. Jesus literally says, "This is me." This is me. Yeah, very directly. <laughs> Any other thoughts on this? Do we want to discuss a little bit how this ties the one of the first stories we hear in Scripture to our gospel? You know, we look all the way back to Genesis and the, the promise that, that God made when the fall occurred and how that's going to be rectified. And this passage seems to be a, a link between those two stories that we always read, you know, from Genesis all the way through to the uh, the birth and ministry of, of Christ. Any comments? Anybody have thoughts on that? Our Genesis master, Pastor Meyer. Over oh, here. please. Well, no, no, no. Don't give people, like, the, the wrong idea here. <clears throat> well, maybe the idea of, like, a 
the are you looking at what he said to the serpent about striking the heel and then in this passage in verse four he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked pretty much exactly what i was thinking thank you sean for reading my mind i try not that good sorry (laughs) well then i mean that gets us back to the uh the cockatrice is dead right Mm -hmm. because well very, very interestingly enough, right, in Genesis chapter 3, what, what is the most dangerous thing? The snake's mouth, the serpent's mouth. It invites you to, to be deceived. And I mean, even today, snake bites are incredibly dangerous things, mm-hmm. right? Like, I, I really liked living as far north as I did because I never had to deal with snakes, and I don't like snakes at all. They move wrong. You know, it's just not right. You and my mother. But I I can't stand him. But, you know, I got to deal with him. I got one in my backyard, and he's a big old sucker. He's like three feet long. And, uh, well, he takes care of the mice for me, right? But still, snakes are extremely dangerous. But the snake's danger is gone, right? He's going to put his his hand on the cobra, and then he's going to jump and leap over the adder's den as if the snakes no longer hold any danger. And that's exactly what Christ has accomplished. The the serpent of old no longer holds real danger, right? There's no accusation he can level at you or or at me that means anything because of what Christ has accomplished, because because of the fruit of the branch of Jesse. Good stuff right there. That's a sermon. Yeah. And I, Let I me just, just go ahead and write that one down then. And I just love the language that Isaiah uses in this passage. Just the way that he phrases things is, it, it's so poetic and it's so pretty. You know, I, I want to put it on a, on a cross stitch somewhere, you know. I think someone already has. With, yeah. with the breath of <laughs> his lip shell to kill, I'm sure. I'll go on Etsy. Kelly Sumsky, take notes. <laughs> I have a buyer. <laughs> I, I'm sure it's on Etsy somewhere, but but this idea of, you, you know, with the breath of his lips shall kill the wicked, you know, just that it, it's this beautiful sort of language that I, I think is really, really fantastic. I also like that. Just because since you mentioned that verse, the breath of his lips shall kill the wicked, that kind of that stirs in my mind the memory of what we read a, a few days ago with the coal on Isaiah's lips oh. to purify what he was about to proclaim. Again, I think it all ties back together. I mean, I love how um, the different allusions and allegories that we see all throughout Isaiah they all kind of, they all tie back together, point to Christ. And I think that one of the things is is that when reading the Old Testament, a lot of people get daunted by the the colorful poetic language. Like, it's a little scary to some people because they look at it and they're like, I have no idea what they're talking about. But I feel like this one is really clear, you know. Mm-hmm. Just, it, it's very clear imagery. It's not trying to mask anything. It's saying, like, the wolf shall dwell with the lamb. That's pretty clear that things are going to be different. It says oh, what yeah. it means. Yeah. yeah. It paints a really clear picture of the drastic changes that are going to come when Christ enters the world. Right. I think that's an excellent sentiment to, to wrap up on. And uh, I definitely want to thank... Shauna and Pastor Meyer for being here today. There's a lot of great insight from the two of you. And we didn't actually nerd out as much as I thought we were going to. So I think we got it out of our very, system. <laughs> very welcome that we didn't derail this train too far. So uh, 
We could have we could have gone places. We sure could have because <laughs> the conversation we had prior to recording was super nerdy, <laughs> and we just left it there. So yeah. you're, you're all very welcome for us <laughs> not including that today. All so, right. Uh, we want we want to promote uh, some things going on here at Holy Cross, like we do uh, at every podcast, just to remind you all of what's going on. I'm gonna turn that over to Pastor Gimble since he likes to to hawk. Sure thing. All the time. Well, <laughs> well, yeah, it's my job, but yeah, we got good stuff going on in church. So coming up this weekend here for worship, we're we're back in the season of Lent. Uh, we got Pastor Myra will be preaching for us this weekend, and uh, services 5 p.m., 8 a.m., and 10:30 a.m. So it should be a good time. And as always, education hour in between. And also, since you happen to have me here, is it okay if I do a quick plug for the new Melly Passion Play? Sure. Tell us about the new Melly Passion Play. The new Melly Passion Play is a um, it's a musical drama of the last week of Christ here on Earth, and it's been going on for about forty years now. This is wow. going to be our fortieth season, and it's held at the uh, New Melly Community Rec Center. And it's fantastic group of volunteers from all over the region and every denomination, and they get together and they just, they really do an amazing moving job. And we do it two weekends. We do it uh, March 28th and 29th, and then April 4th and April 5th. On Saturday, it's at 7, and then on Sundays, it's at 2 and 4.30. If you have any questions, feel free to grab me at the center because I'm a part of it, and so are several other members of the church. Are they this year? Okay, I know yeah. some, it kind of goes up and down. Uh, every Sue Williams now is, isn't, but uh, oh, Linda Zioko is doing it, and uh, I think that we might get Stanley Zioko in it too. <laughs> really? Yeah. No, but I know Dave Ulrich had been a part of it. For Dave a long Ulrich long did time. it for several years, and we we've had other members for years. Yeah. Uh, back in the day, if anybody was around for uh, the Don Panashsik. He was a part of it for years. He played the uh, Disciple John. and they just it, It's really something that was very formative for me growing up that I think they do such a good job and it's, like I said, it's non-denominational, but it's a really excellent production that they do for a group of volunteers when it's, you know, directed by a man who owns a machine shop and, like, half of us are, you know, blue-collar, white-collar workers, whatever, to put on something like that. It's really, it, it's something to experience. So check your calendar, yeah. see if you're free. It's coming up yeah. in just a couple weekends. And yeah, like and it's, said, it's free. Multiple, multiple performances, so there's plenty of opportunities to go and see And it. check us out on Facebook. Speaking of Facebook, you can always check out our podcast on Facebook and what's going on at Holy Cross. Uh, gets updated there quite often. There's my plug. Um, trying to help my sister out for all her hard work. She does posting that stuff on Facebook for us. Um, then also, don't forget, uh, coming up next week on Wednesday, Lenten services do continue. Uh, we have services at 11 a.m. and 7 p.m. And midweek meal beforehand. Yeah, we just concluded our mystery meal this week and uh since yep. we're recording before that meal ever occurred I'm it's still, still a mystery of what it's gonna be but <laughs> by the time you all hear this you will have known so you got one up on me uh what's coming up this week for our lunch and dinner this one's sponsored by the board of education so they have their their ducks in a row every time same thing every year it's the uh, baked potato bar Oh, yeah. With the chicken nuggets and mac and cheese. Always a good one. It's and chili. A popular one, for sure. Yep. Yep. 
All right, so to be sure to join us there, you know, starting at 545 for food and fellowship and preparing for our Lenten service. Uh, do we have a special preacher this week? No more special preachers. All right. So, so we we're, were blessed to have Reverend Wittenberger last week and then uh, this past week, a couple of days ago, I should say, and then uh, Pastor Walker was here last week, too, to start off the series. So we're grateful to have both of them. Absolutely. All right, well, I think it's uh, appropriate, like we do every episode, to conclude with a word of prayer. All right, let us pray. Lord God, our Heavenly Father, we again thank you for being a God who is uh, gracious and uh, demonstrating righteousness in the world and bringing that light, uh, righteousness through the, the line of Jesse ultimately being fulfilled in Jesus. We thank you for the imagery that you provided for us as well. Uh, in a world that's absent from sin and giving us such uh, wonderful things to look forward to even in nature and with those animals and creatures that you have placed here on this earth. Continue to bless us today as we continue to be fed and nurtured in your word, O Lord, and bless us into our weekend as well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you all for joining us and be sure to come back and hear some more later this week.